You know, I, I'm going to preach a little bit on uh, kingdom costs this morning. When we, uh, when we commit our lives to the kingdom, it costs us. Amen. Luke chapter 10, verse 29. But he willing to justify himself said unto Jesus, And who is my neighbor? And Jesus answered, answering said, A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves, which stripped him of his raiment and wounded him and departed, leaving him half dead. And by chance there came down a certain priest that way, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. God help us. And likewise, a Levite, when he was at the place, came and looked on him and passed by on the other side. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion on him and went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring in oil and wine, and set him on his own beast and brought him to an inn and took care of him. On the morrow, when he departed, he took out two pence and gave them to the host and said unto him, Take care of him, and whatsoever thou spendest more when I come again, I will repay thee. Which now of these three thinkest thou was neighbor unto him that fell among the thieves? And he said, He that showed mercy on him. Then said Jesus unto him, Go. Everybody say, Go. Go and do thou likewise. I want to preach to you this morning on kingdom costs. I want to tell you that if you're truly committed to the kingdom, you won't get by by just being concerned about your four and no more. I am convinced that key to revival in this city is for us to understand that the kingdom of God is bigger than our world. And that God has placed us here not to get but to give. Not to be loved but to love. Not to be cared for but to care for. It's going to cost us. I want you to put your Bibles down and lift your hands up right now. Lord, in the name of Jesus Christ... I ask you, God, to release kingdom purpose in this building today. Help us to know and understand, God, that you desire to do great things in our midst. Do you want to use us, God, for your purpose and for your will? And thy will be done in this place today. In Jesus' name. Clap your hands to the Lord and give him praise. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You may be seated. 
Of course, it's a very old story, parable, whatever you want to call it. But as we look through the Word of God and we understand, particularly in the New Testament, even though the Old Testament is full of all sorts of examples, we understand that if the kingdom is to be the kingdom, it will cost us everything. The Bible said, for God so loved the world that he gave. Everybody say he gave. He gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth on him should not perish but should have everlasting life. And God robes himself in flesh. And he comes to dwell among humanity. Thirty-three and a half years later, he finds himself in a place called Gethsemane. And it's there in Gethsemane that he's praying, knowing and understanding that there's a cup that must be drank. And knowing and understanding that his purpose, his kingdom purpose, is to drink that cup. And there's something that cries out within him, the flesh, if you would, that understands what's about to happen. And begins to pray, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. But if not, but if not, somebody shout, but if not. Thy will be done. Thy will be done. Thy will be done. We're the church. We're the inn in the parable. We're the place of care and comfort and fellowship to a host of people. God begins to Send us the souls of humanity that so desperately need the touch of God. Does anybody remember where you were when he found you? Come on, somebody. Do you remember where you were when he found you? I don't know how you got here, but you didn't get here on your own. I don't know if somebody brought you or you brought yourself, but I know you didn't get here on your own. I don't know if you found your way or somebody led you, but you didn't get here on your own. And you ought to right now throw your hands up to God and thank God because he brought you to a place of healing. He brought you to a place of restoration. He brought you to a place of renewal. Oh, God, I feel the Holy Ghost up in here. That inn was a place well stored with provisions for the travelers who came by. Not only was it a place of fellowship, but it was a safe place of protection. I want to know today, do you understand how vital the church is? 
It's not just a building where we gather a few times a week. But it's a kingdom place. And it's not just intended to be those of us that are gathered here today. But His kingdom was created so that all of humanity could have an opportunity to be saved. This church exists in Anderson, Indiana today because there's another drug addict on the street that needs to be restored. It exists today because there's another family that needs to be put back together again. It exists today because there's a backslider, a wayfaring man that's trying to find his way back to the house of God. And there's got to be a place of the kingdom for them to come. It was a terrible day that day. A man fallen prey to the world, if you will. Oh, I want to tell you, I, I, uh, the place where I was this week, and I, I'm not going to get hung up there, but I'm going to tell you that the spirit and power of God is moving in that place. I, there was a gentleman that was one of the laborers there that took care of the lodge and the property and, and uh, so hungry for God, and God is moving in his life in such an unbelievable way. It's a really cool story, but he... Uh, he and his wife purchased 80 acres up on top of a mountain, leveled the top of the mountain. They've built cabins, a couple of small cabins up there, and they, they raise uh, these Iditarod dogs. They have like 40 of them right now, and they raise those dogs. But a couple of nights, they, men would come in and just eat supper with us, and we begin to talk with them and uh, begin to share the word of the Lord with them. And, I didn't realize it and understand it at the time, but God had filled that man with the Holy Ghost. And I got a reason to go back there again because I want to baptize that man in the name of Jesus Christ. He's so hungry for God and there were several preachers that were there with us and we began to talk a little bit, and when we left to get ready to leave, we all had prayer together, and I looked over, and there he was. He was praying in tongues. And I began to think about that. I began to think about the people in that area and how that they so need a move of God. They so need to experience the kingdom of God. And I thought to myself, what would it take for a man to leave everything that he has to go to an area like that and just start a church. Don't worry, it's not going to be me. But I thought to myself, there's so many. I was talking with another one of the workers and after the summer solstice in Alaska, it stays dark. I mean dark, pitch dark. The sun doesn't shine just a few hours a day. And he began to tell me about the suicide rate in Alaska because there was no light there. And I want to tell you that we're living in a world that needs a light. 
We're living in a city. I know pastors told us in the past, when you speak about the city, don't speak of it in a negative way, but I'm telling you right now, we're living in a city that needs the light. We're living in a city that needs to experience the kingdom. But make no mistake, the cost of that kingdom is not going to just fall out of heaven. It's going to come from you and I investing who we are and what we are in the kingdom. On the morrow when he departed, the Bible said, he took out two pence and he gave them to the host and said, take care of him and whatsoever thou spendest more when I come again, I'll repay thee. What I read you today is a great test of our walk with God. What will you do when you've exhausted the resources of the Samaritan? There's something of a commitment that pours forth from the actions of the innkeeper. I've been there in my own life, in my own ministry, where I felt like I don't have anything else to give. I'm exhausted. I'm past exhaustion. And I know you felt that way. I know you struggled with your family members that you tried to love and tried to reach. And you struggled with your friends and your neighbors that you're trying to help. And you feel exhausted. But I pray somehow that the spirit of the innkeeper would get hold of your heart today. That even when it feels like everything is ran out, there's still a God that's able to work through you and supply the need. Thomas Carlyle said, a man with half commitment goes backwards and forwards and makes no way on the smoothest road. A man with a whole commitment advances on the roughest and will reach his purpose if there be even a little wisdom in it. The man without a commitment is like a ship without a rudder, a nothing, a no man. Have commitment in life and having it throw such strength of mind and muscle into your work as God have given you. Hear me today, self-preservation is the first law of nature. Self-sacrifice is the highest rule of grace. Tell your neighbor, turn and look at somebody and tell them, get ready, it's going to cost you something. We cannot build a church without it costing us something. I'm not talking about a building I'm talking about the kingdom of God. We must realize as men and women of God that there's something that all that is required of all of us 
and it will cost us. I'm not talking about your pocketbook. I'm talking about it's going to cost you your very life's existence. If God himself would robe himself in flesh and be willing to give it all, how can we believe that he would expect anything less of us? There's some laws from this parable that I want to try to get through. I don't know if I'll make it or not. I feel such a, such a heaviness in the Holy Ghost right now. God is trying in some way to help us to understand that the costs of the kingdom are greater than oftentimes we're willing to pay. But one of the first laws of this parable is that we always start with something. Whatever we do for the Lord, we always start with something. I want you to think back for a moment about some of the past experiences of your life. Think about the man who launches out and starts a new business. He walks away from security and the stability of a job to follow a dream. What of those that are getting married? They all begin marriage with a lot of feeling and fire. Think of that first real job. The one that you worked long and hard in preparation to finally get. Remember the first day you went in and thought to yourself, I feel guilty getting paid to do something that I enjoy doing so much. What about that first Sunday? that you stepped into that Sunday school class to teach? What of the first time you sang that special song? What of the man who goes and takes a church? All of them felt like they were doing something to inspire and to encourage spiritual growth and conversion of souls. We start all of those endeavors and more with something. With something. But as with all beginnings, there always comes a point where we begin to evaluate, to look, and to question. Where did the excitement go? Where did the motivation sneak off to? Why am I even trying to work through all of this. It would be so much easier to just walk away. I hear the spirit of the enemy speaking to minds and hearts here today to say to you, it's no need. You've heard all of that. You've heard them preach. You've heard them teach. You've heard. You've watched people and you know it's never going to come to fruition, but I hear the voice of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords say, if you'll just pay the cost of the kingdom, I'll be sure that the kingdom comes to you. You find out a lot about a man when all the marching bands aren't playing anymore. When the fireworks have all died out into nothing more than 
puffs of smoke, suddenly the reality settles in that that commitment, somebody shout commitment. Commitment is the real key to being something great and doing something great. The thoughts flit through our mind. This task is too big for me. His weight is too challenging for me to overcome. That, that usually happens when you fail that second or third test. It happens when the bottom line on the new business is spent more time in the red than in the black. It happens when customers complain and spouses get testy. It all settles in when the class is noisy and disruptive. It takes place when the song is off key. It takes place when the attendance drifts and the law comes to the pews. Few people ever thought it would come to this place in life where they would say, it's just too hard to keep going. The trek has become too steep. I'm weary with the demands of this endeavor. And hidden deep within the parable that I shared with you this morning is a lesson for the weary and the troubled. The Samaritan gives the innkeeper some money and then it was all consumed on the victim. We never realized that our own oil and wine would have to be poured into the wounds of the injured. Wait, you mean that's required of me? I thought that would come from the preacher. I thought the church would take care of that. No, all the resources are gone. What's been given to you now is gone. And now God is saying, what are you going to do with what you have? How are you going to help some struggling individual? How are you going to heal somebody that's hurting? How are you going to give some direction to somebody that needs direction? It's kingdom cost. My exhausted, exhausted hopes, my exhausted prayers, my exhausted faith, my exhausted efforts, my exhausted resources. Come on, you've been there. I don't even have to ask you if you've been there. I know you've been there. What happens to us in our minds when we get in this place? has a huge outcome in the future. It's only after our resources have been exhausted that we can come to the place of understanding exactly how difficult it is to really be what God wants us to be. It's easy to quit and give up. Now let me say it again. It's easy to quit and give up. Some of you that don't haven't known me a long time. One of my passions as a young man growing up was playing softball. I loved playing softball. I played until I was 50 years old. In the last season that I played, I had a 
I had a, a brace on every joint. I thought maybe it was time to quit. But I want to tell you something about me. I didn't like to lose, and I didn't like losers. There's probably none of them in this room right now, so I can probably talk about it a little bit. It made me so angry. Literally. I prayed through. For these young punks to come on the field and act like it didn't matter if you lost or won. You got behind by 10 runs. They just gave up. Not me. In fact, I may have fought a few times. But my point is this. We don't have time to put up with losers. Come on. If it's not in your mind and your heart to be a kingdom winner, you need a prayer meeting. You need to pray through. You need the power of the Holy Ghost to move in your heart and mind. Listen, we're not losers. We're winners. We're not defeated. We're victorious. Come on. It's not the will of God for there to be one empty seat in this building. It's the will of God for us to fill up this building and build another building. But it's kingdom cost. It's going to cost all of us something. It's much more noble to press on. Still believe whatever the task may be, it can be accomplished and fulfilled. I, uh, I'm not saying this for boast. Please, please understand me. This church is very unique. I, I, I've been with a group of preachers all week, some older, some younger. And uh, if we're missing something in the apostolic movement, it is the art of succession in a church. Men that hold on to their churches to the point that they ruin their legacy. They destroy their legacy because for whatever reason. I won't go into that. And, and the reason I say that is we had this discussion this week. But this church is very unique. Many years ago now, I felt the need. Just shortly after we finished this building, I, I felt the need. I, and I told anybody that's here that was there then, they, they'll tell you. I told them, I, I'm not building this church for me. Not even for my generation. We're building this church for the next generation and the next generation. Now listen to me. So I, I did a little survey just shortly before. I went over and sat down 
probably nobody's ever gotten the news that they were going to be the next pastor of the church like your pastor has. He lived across the street from me. Maybe why he moved, I don't know. He lived across the street from me, and I walked across the street one day, and I was exhausted. My, my mind was exhausted. My body was exhausted. I, I didn't have a lot left in the tank. And th- these, are his, these are the words. You, you, you remember? I sat down in his living room, and I said, So, son, when are you going to be willing to pastor this church? That's what I said. I know it probably wasn't the right protocol, right way to do things, but he's my buddy. He's my son, and I can talk to him. I didn't have anything left. This church needed to grow. At that time, 85, 90% of the congregation was 45 years or younger. The potential for the church to grow was there, but I couldn't. I couldn't. I wasn't going to bail out. I wasn't going to run away. But I knew something had to happen. And I'm going to tell you, there have been days when I thought, God, what have I done? Not because of our pastor, but because of my own selfish motives that, that said, well, look at you. You're not, you're not doing anything now. And that's not true, but that's how the enemy messes with our minds. But I want you to understand something. Kingdom costs require us sometimes to step out of our will and step into the will of God so that the kingdom can move forward. Come on, I wish somebody would help me right here. Paul got there. Paul... In 2 Corinthians 1 and 8, Paul writes, For we would not, brethren, have you ignorant of our trouble which came to us in Asia, that we were pressed out of measure. You, 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 you can't believe. There's no way, no way to even describe what we've went through. Pressed out of measure, above strength, we were exhausted in so much that we despaired even of life. Now watch this. The Greek word pressed is the same word that is used when it described the disciples who went to sleep when Jesus needed them to support Him with their prayers. Think about that now. The Greek word for despaired indicates that he was utterly at a loss and despondent. I need to talk to somebody right here. God's not finished with you yet. I know the enemy's whispered in your mind and told you, I don't have anything to offer, but I've come on this Sunday morning to tell somebody, if you'll make yourself available to the kingdom, God's about to take what's already in you and revive it and... God, I feel like somebody here, the devil's had you almost on the verge of quitting. Almost on the verge of walking away from your calling. But I hear the voice of revival saying, I'm going to revive that calling. I'm going to revive that burden. I'm going to put something fresh and new in you. 
Here it is. Paul said, but 2 Corinthians 4 and 7, but we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power may be of God. I said may be of God and not of us. We're troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We're perplexed, but not in despair. We're persecuted, but not forsaken. Cast down, but not destroyed. Always bearing about in the body. The dying of the Lord Jesus. That the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our body. Paul was trying to tell us that the cost of revival is our very bodies. Six and four said, but in all things, approving ourselves as the ministers of God in much patience, in afflictions, in necessities, in distresses, in stripes. Boy, sounds like a great time, doesn't it? In imprisonments, in tumults, in labors, in watchings, in fastings, by pureness, by knowledge, by long-suffering, by kindness, by the Holy Ghost, by love unfeigned, by the word of truth, by the power of God, by the armor of righteousness on the right hand and on the left, by honor and dishonor, by evil report and good report, as deceivers and yet true, as unknown and yet well known, as dying and behold we live as chastened and not killed, as sorrowful yet always rejoicing, as poor yet making many rich, as having nothing yet possessing all things. You see, the first point is that we begin with something. The second point is we'll spend it all. I, 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 I don't want to make this about me this morning, but i got to tell you this. Probably 20 years ago, maybe, the church board at the time, which was Elder George Looper and Brother Ellsworth, my father-in-law, Bishop Bingham, and a couple others I, I can't recall right now, they sat down with me and they said, Pastor, we, we want to start you a retirement fund. I thought that was a good idea. I wasn't going to live forever. I wasn't going to pastor forever. And so we set a mount and, and uh, we started a retirement fund. Well, a few years after that, Brother Mark Looper, we started a new church building. And uh, to say the least, it was a walk of faith. Brother Joe, I'm pretty sure they didn't tell me to my face, but I'm pretty sure there was a lot of folks in this church that said I was crazy. 
we started that building, this building that you're worshiping in today. So guess what? The money going out was more than the money coming in. And so now I tell folks, they say, did you have a retirement? I said, yeah, we worship him every Sunday. I can't think of anything better to invest in than this right here for people to come in and their souls be saved and their lives changed and their families put back together. I can't think of anything better than for a man of God like my pastor to stand here week after week and declare the word of the Lord in this place. first point is we begin with something the second point is you're going to spend it all we discover very quickly that that two pence is spent not very long after we begin to help the injured passion seeps out motivation disappears desire for doing well eludes us Paul knew something about that he wrote that Alexander the coppersmith had done me much evil, evil, because he of that Hymenius and Alexander were delivered over to Satan. He reminisces about Demas, who left him, forsook him, having loved this present world. Oh, Brother Shaw, I've been here a while. There have been folks here that I thought loved me. But when things, the kingdom began to demand something of them, they found other places to go and other things to do because it wasn't really about the kingdom. It was only about their own little world. I wish somebody hear me today. I don't know who this is for, but I know what the Spirit put in me. I want you to realize that not everybody in the church is going to be on board with what's going to be done in the church. But I'm telling you that God has given us leaders and God has given us preachers and God has given us men and women of God that have the kingdom of God at heart. And if we'll understand the kingdom costs whatever it costs you, will be different than what it cost me. But whatever it cost you, it's worth the price. It's worth the cost. I, I spent weeks and weeks and weeks at the Bess's house People hearing the word of God. And I'm going to tell you, all of them aren't here right now. Everything that I, it cost me, it's worth being able to walk in that prayer room every service and look across there and see Sister Martha Best and Brother Richard Best bowing their head and seeking God, seeing their girls up there on the platform, worshiping God and leading us to praise and worship God. It's worth it. I don't care what it costs you. You may spend it all, but God will never let you down. He will never let you go hungry. He will be sure that you're taken care of. 
how nice it had been. Left with a pain-filled body of man, we felt hope that we could restore his brokenness. We just knew that we could ease the pain of his cuts and bruises. We were certain that it'd be our lot to get him through that entire trauma with only a few scars. But before long, we got tired of taking care of him. Got weary with the task. It tested our limits. Much to my own regret, there was some patience that I got tired of taking care of. You work hard toward healing and helping great dreams of revival and of holiness, of success, of deep prayer, even deeper revelation. We suddenly find ourselves taxed to the limits. Life's ebbs. Life ebbs away from the dream as you spend everything you have. So many visions of ascending to the top of the heap, having one victory after another to be the continuous pattern, the norm, not the abnormal. But now it seems like the stern gray day of the Lord has collapsed us. Now facing us is the common dusty road of duty. The weary path of responsibility that does its best to choke every bit of faith that we have. And the heart silently protests. I think I've had enough. But then, but then, with the resources depleted and gone, the heart says, maybe I can do more with what little resources that I have left. Watch her. She thinks she's going to die. She thinks her baby's going to die. But that man of God that everybody else thought was off the scene, he'd been up there at a little brook called Cherith. And God was sending the ravens in the middle of a famine to feed him three squares a day. The brook dries up in his life. And it doesn't seem like life is fair anymore. But that old prophet makes his way to a little place called Zarephath. And there she is. There's his next assignment. There's his next calling. A little widow woman and her son. And the Bible said that he told her, If you'll just fix me a little bite to eat, that cruise will never go dry. That flower will never go... Come on, somebody. I'm telling you, if you'll take the little bit that you have and use it for the kingdom, God will never let your resources dry up.
I rebuke the spirit of fear and intimidation in the name of Jesus. I cast off the spirit of doubt in the name of Jesus. I release a fresh faith in the heart of this people today to understand we can pay the cost of the kingdom. Lift your hands to the Lord and praise Him right now. In the name of Jesus, that kind of determination wells up in the soul when you're on your last leg, cause the battle to to be turned around in the very gates of your life. It is literally snatching victory right out of the jaws of defeat. It's Elisha telling his servant, go look again. Just go one more time because I know I've heard from God. I know I've heard the sound of abundance of rain and God doesn't lie. Just go look one more time. Oh, I need to tell somebody You may have failed up till now, but I hear the Spirit of the Lord saying to you, just go one more time. Just go one more time. Just go one more time. The kingdom will manifest itself in you. It's the disciples tossing their net over the side of the boat one more time. Have you ever thought about it? They never change positions. They never move spots. They they never relocated. Hello? Some folk think when things get a little tough, the, uh, the thing that you need to do is just go somewhere else. Listen to me. Hear me right now. That's not your solution. Just stay where you are and listen to the voice of the Master. Jesus looked at the disciples and said, Listen, Just take that same net that you failed with and throw it over on the other side of the boat and watch what happens. I'm about to manifest my kingdom in your obedience. You know the story. They couldn't drag them all in. It's a little widow taking her last bit of resources, cooking the prophet a cake. Stretching out one more time on that dead boy. And praying and working until you hear, that that was once dead begins to live again. I feel like telling somebody you thought it was dead. You thought it'll never come back to life again. But I'm telling you, just throw yourself over the top of it one more time and pray. It's about to breathe again. Gotta hurry. Pastor, it's one more accent weekend. It's one more four-week series. It's just week after week after week. But God said, just keep doing what you're doing. I'm about to resurrect something in this place. 
Going back to that job one more time. Going back to that classroom one more time. Sister TJ, it's singing one more song. When your heart doesn't feel like singing. It's kingdom cost. It's going back home one more time. It's doing whatever the calling is one more time. At this point, noble life begins. What you do when you've spent all the Samaritans two pence is you reach up on your shelf and take down your oil. That's an intrusion in my life. I didn't ask for him. Uh-uh. Kingdom cost says, whatever it costs to get them well, even if it costs your own oil, you got to get them well because God's got purpose for them too. You look for the gauze that's left. You find that little tape that you have left. You get the wine and pour it into the wound. You go at it again. You raise those children. You love your spouse. You go back to work. You get back in school. You build the church. You put all your life into it no matter if the resources may be gone. Face down your fears. Look your doubt in the eye. And then spit in doubt's eye. Stand with me. Pick up your Bible again. Get your Bible study again. Preach again. Pray again. Witness again. Get up again. On this Sunday morning came to tell somebody the final point that I want to make about the parable is this in suffering in suffering we discover power oh but wait a minute Bishop the first point was we begin with something the second point was we'll spend it all the third point is, in suffering we discover power. The Bible said, we, we, we always talk about it, how that we want to enjoy the power of his resurrection. But the next part of that says, and the fellowship of his suffering. It all goes together. You can't have one without the other. I wish it could be different. But if we're never tested, we'll never know we can pass the test. If we're never hurt, we'll never know we can be healed. If we've never been defeated, we'll never know what victory is. Oh, Bishop.
Bishop, that don't sound right. I, I'm just telling you what the Word of God says. That the Lord, the Lord knew. The Lord knew when He said in the parable, Whatsoever thou spendest more, and you will spend it. If you're to be anything for God, you'll spend it. Those words got missed in the heroics of the tale. The words were hugely significant, but they were lost against the warm, fuzzy outcome of the story. I, I, can, I can honestly tell you that there are people sitting in this congregation that years ago, I didn't know if they'd make it, but they made it. And now they're helping somebody else make it because they were kingdom-minded and not self-minded. I'm looking for somebody in this building today. Somebody here today. I know it's past lunchtime. I, I realize that and I don't apologize for preaching long. But the final point of the whole parable was is that the Lord was there all the time. The last stage finally arrives for us when we realize that the Lord has been there all along. You ought to live your life in the strength of that promise that no matter what I'm going through, no matter where I'm at, no matter what I'm facing, He is there all the time. The old songwriter said, waiting patiently in line. He was there. I've come to tell somebody here that's just about to give up. He's there. He's there. I'm looking for folks this morning that'll step out of your seat, walk down that aisle, hear the words of the prophet. Hast thou not known, hast thou not heard that the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, fainteth not, neither is weary. There's no searching of his understanding. He giveth power to the faint. And to them that have no might, He increases strength. Even the youth shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Come on, God's calling somebody here just to keep on giving. Just keep on giving. It's kingdom cost. I'm looking for somebody that'll come and say, I'm going to make it through this. I'm going to make it through this. Because God's with me, I'm not alone. It's just part of the kingdom. Come on, church. Come on, church. Would you come?